Yeah, first day in May, and it's a it's a beautiful month. It's my favorite month of the year, the month of May. Everything is uh, as James Taylor sings about. Beginning, things are blooming. The grass is as green as it's going to be. Uh, the trees are blooming. It's a, just a beautiful time of year. A lot of people have allergies, and I I think I may be among them, because every time I sit down to do a recording in May, it seems like my voice just kind of just it goes away. But anyway, we're here. It is uh, good to be along with you. This is the Pac-Man podcast on the uh, BMG Network, and I'm Ted Flint. I want to get a, into a couple of things I didn't really have time to get into last week, and every week this happens to me. I, have, I cut out little uh, articles from the newspaper, and then when it comes time to record, uh, <laughs> I can't find them. So uh, I'm g- going to have to go on memory here for the most part. A couple of things that I read over the weekend. Joe Biden, the Biden administration, I should say, is... Uh, busy flying in these illegal aliens to various cities around the country in the dead of night. Now, I don't know where he think, where he thinks he can do this. I don't know why he thinks he can do this. It's unconstitutional. The federal government is responsible for protecting our borders. But here we have the administration just totally uh, devoid of any sense. They're, they are bereft of any common sense whatsoever. And I think they know what they're doing. Frankly, I think the issue is them not, it's not that they don't know, they know exactly what they're doing. They're shipping in illegal aliens to weaken this country and to create more Democratic voters in future elections. So that's going on. Uh, Elon Musk, as you know, most of you know, you should know that he's taking over Twitter, $44 billion in cash. And I think it's a victory for free speech. We don't know yet. I don't know Elon Musk's uh, personal politics. I don't think it matters. I think he's more libertarian than anything. But I read a good piece in the New York Post over the weekend by Kyle Smith, and he touched on a, a couple of really good points. And he talked about people on the right, Charles Cook, who writes for National Review, and Megan McArdle of the Washington Post. They think Twitter is beyond saving. They don't think Elon Musk is going to be have any impact. And McArdle points out, as uh, Smith re- recounts her her views on it, that, uh, you know, Musk cannot run Twitter by himself. And these young brainwashed zombies from the cult of woke ultimately make the uncomfortable decisions about, you know, like which president to ban. Now they banned Trump from Twitter. Everybody else is, you know, anybody under the sun who's radical, who's, you know, a a terrorist in some cases, they can be on Twitter. But so anyway, it's, it's hard to imagine one guy, even though he, most of the control is under Elon Musk, that things are going to change that much. He'll have to clean house and bring in reasonable centrists who love free speech. The, the entire staff ha, ha, would have to be made up of these people in the, in the middle. And it's, it, it's unreasonable to think he can do that because a lot of these people in Silicon Valley, uh, you know, Silicon Valley is as blue as San Francisco. And a lot of these young people, they're very uh, liberal. They, they grew up in this century. And, uh, they, you know, as, as Kyle Smith puts it, they are eager young censors, and they grew up in the era of, of trigger warnings and safe spaces. And the, many of these kids are going to be eager to, uh, to ban a lot of conservative speech. I don't think because Elon Musk is running the show, maybe it will change. He needs to clean house. I mean, we need fair, nonpartisan rules. And as far as cont- uh, content moderators... I think they ought to err on the side of free speech. You know, why not let people who disagree politically or whatever the issue is, just slug it out rhetorically, as uh, Smith put it. 
that's the best thing we, we that we could hope for here in a country that America is free and it's going to stay free, folks. I'll tell you. You know, these tweets, not just on Twitter, but I mean, Facebook, you're getting uh, shadow banned and everything else. You put something up on, uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit later about ivermectin. That's back in the news. You put, mentioned anything about COVID and you get shadow banned. Or they put some post up there saying, you know, the information is taken out of context. It's not complete and all this other nonsense. I mean, as Smith put it, and one thing that he wrote that, I, that stuck in my head, and I agree with this totally. You know, the, the left is, is so afraid that it's, it's going to be the end of democracy. Whether something is disinformation or a threat to democracy ought not to concern Twitter's moderators, because what's accurate will drive out the inaccurate over time. People want the truth. That's, how, that's a quote from Smith, but I, I'll put it a different way. People seek the truth. And I think you, you have to let the consumer decide for himself what's true and what isn't, or what's real information and what's disinformation or misinformation. Let the consumer, let the people who use Twitter make that decision. We don't need moderators to tell us what's real and what isn't real. In the, in the free marketplace of ideas, everybody has a seat or should have a seat at the table. So I think it's great that uh, Elon Musk has taken over Twitter. On to a couple of other things here that kind of tie into free speech. And, you know, it's the battle we face is a spiritual one, as I pointed out when I had my radio show a few years back. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians don't always look at it that way. We are engaged in a spiritual battle between the the forces of good and the forces of evil. As St. Paul writes in in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And all these battles are in the spiritual realm. Obviously, they manifest in the physical in many cases. Uh, Case in point here, there's a big battle going on across the country about public schools and what public schools are teaching our children, young children, kindergarten through age maybe eight, kindergarten through grade three. They were being taught about transgenderism, this hypersexualized material being taught to five, six, seven, eight-year-olds, not my kids are not going to be taught that. That's why my boys who are younger are homeschooled. So the National Teachers Union, the head of the Teachers Union, Randy Weingarten, has likened encouraging parents to get involved in how their kids are being taught and what they're being taught in public schools. are It's tantamount to fighting words. It's, it's the way in which wars start, as she puts it. Well, we're engaged in war, frankly, a war for the soul of this nation. And as I mentioned, it's spiritual, a lot of it. She's the president of the American Federation of Teachers. She told the Rick Smith Show podcast earlier this month or last month now that conservative lawmakers pushing to have more input in curriculum and textbooks are spurring parents to hate teachers and to hate public education. We don't hate anyone. I don't hate anyone. You hate the sin and love the sinner. But Weingarten has accused GOP officials in states such as Florida and Texas. Boy, they, the left hates Texas, don't they? They cannot stand the state of Texas or now Florida. DeSantis is their new Trump. Of falsely portraying teachers and administrators as indoctrinating children amid these, these school culture battles on critical race theory and gender identity and all these other left-wing issues. That's exactly what's going on. She doesn't want to admit it. CRT is being taught, folks, in our government schools. And if you care anything about your children, you will pull them 
as my wife and I did. Uh, you know, I don't care what Weingarten tells you. She says it's propaganda, and it's not the way hatred starts. Its parents are standing up for their rights. We have we make the final decision over what our children are being taught in the schools. It's not the school administrators. It's not the teachers. I don't care what state you're in. I'm in New York State, and the teachers' unions run state government. The Democratic Party runs the state of New York. It's a, it's a one-party state, and the teachers' unions run the Democratic Party. They're the biggest contributors. They get things the way they want. And, you know, Weingarten and the other teachers' unions, uh, the spokespeople can say that they're not indoctrinating. That's exactly what they're doing. They're grooming these children. They're going to they're gonna try to turn them all into good little socialists, and they're succeeding in many cases. There was, I don't know who said this. I don't, I don't think it was Weingarten, but somebody, some public school official, some teacher somewhere, and it made the rounds on Facebook and Twitter and social media, said that once your children enter the public schools, they're ours, basically. They're our children. This teacher said this, I think. It's like, no, they're not your children. They're never going to be your children. They're our children as parents. Well, they're God's. And God has given us tremendous responsibility when he gave us children to bring them up in the ways of, of the Lord. That's not happening in, in the public schools. You've got to know that. The school's job is to educate our children. Now, keep them safe as best you can and teach them reading, writing, and arithmetic. Not about transgenderism or homosexuality or all these different uh, gender names that they're giving kids now, pansexual and, and cisgender. And I have to have my daughter Madeline explain all these different terminology, all this different terminology. There, there are two genders. There, there is male and there is female, and that's it. There's nothing in between. And don't let your kids be taught anything else. This is all ridiculous hyperbole. Weingarten saying this is how wars start. Well, we ought to be engaged. We, we are engaged in a battle. Not just for the public schools, but for the soul of this nation. We are adrift. We are morally adrift. Look who our president is. This guy doesn't have a half a brain. In his prime, he was a dunce. But now he's just, he's a shell of what he was. I don't have an answer. What happens if he goes? You got Kamala Harris. What happens if she's taken down? You don't know who's going to take over. You got Pelosi is over in, uh, she's third in line, the Speaker of the House. She's Speaker until the end of the year. Then Republicans take over and she'll be hopefully sent into retirement. She's over in Kiev. The highest ranking public official from this country is over in Kiev, is in Ukraine, is uh, Nancy Pelosi. That's a sad Sad fact, isn't it? All right, we're getting uh, down to, uh, you know, close to the end of the program. I want to mention this ivermectin, which is, it was called a miracle drug years ago. And it's been around since I think, you know, decades. I want to say the mid-90s. I think Merck created ivermectin. It is an incredibly safe, effective, and inexpensive drug. It is dirt cheap, ivermectin. And it works against COVID. If you use it early uh, in the process, if you're, you know, you have full-blown symptoms and you're you're sick and you're ready to be hospitalized, it's it's too late. But if, if you catch it early on, you use ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Those drugs work, and you can run a whole course of ivermectin for like five bucks. I was reading about this in Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, The Real Doctor Fauci. But Fauci in the CDC and the in the uh, at NIH and the WHO, they don't want you to know this. They don't want you to know that ivermectin is 
is effective and safe. They want to tell you that it's a horse drug. Oh, it's a dewormer. Uh, ivermectin is used on horses and cows. Yes, in paste form. If you give it to a horse, you do you give it to it uh, as a paste. Humans take take it in pills. And if you use the correct dosage, a safe dosage, I know people who've used ivermectin. They swear by it. The best thing I would I would encourage you to do if you can get your hands on ivermectin, I would I would get it and and keep it. That's what my wife and I are, are talking about doing. We know people who have access to ivermectin and it, it works. Anyway, the reason I bring it up, the FDA is renewing its smear against ivermectin. It's trending on, on the new Twitter. And I'll read you the uh, one tweet here from the FDA's Twitter account. Hold your horses, y'all. Ivermectin may be trending, but it still is not authorized or approved to treat COVID-19. Well, who cares what the FDA? Why is it the FDA's business? or the CDC's business, how you treat your illness. I realize that they're in this public safety business, but ultimately it's up to the individual, I think. As you know, and I have a libertarian streak in me. I don't want the government telling me what I can take or can't take. If you, God forbid, you have cancer, your treatment options are up to you, your doctor, your family. That's something, that's a decision you make with your doctor and your family. You don't need the government involved in it. So here they are, they're trying to slam ivermectin because it's, it is competition to these vaccines. They're not really vaccines, the shots, I should say. As my daughter pointed out in one of her last uh, podcasts, my daughter Madeline has a podcast on Fridays, The Essentials with Maddie Flint. She's a pre-med student and she knows a lot more than I'll ever know about this. But these, these shots that were taken for COVID, they're really, they're shots. A, a vaccine is something you take once. I mean, how many times have you been have you been inoculated against polio? Have you taken four polio shots? No, you take one. That's what you call a vaccine. These are just shots you take every three or four months, like you take a shot for the flu every year. It guards against you know severe uh, symptoms, but it doesn't protect you totally. It, you know, every year it varies in the you know how much protection you get from it. You could get twenty percent protection one year, fifty percent the next year. And I think it's the same thing. I don't know this for a fact. I'm not a doctor. Consult your physician and get their take on it. You know, and they, they take their marching orders from the, uh, the AMA, many of them, unfortunately. But anyway, this piece in WorldNet Daily talks about the, uh, the trending of, of ivermectin. People want to know more about it. But the reference to horses played on the explosion last fall of these, these media articles and the social media posts mocking people who were treating their COVID-19 symptoms with the drug. They called them ignorant rubes and worse. And, uh, you know, these people were going into tractor supply stores and, and you know, looking for the, this ivermectin. Yes, it's a horse dewormer. And I'm not suggesting you, should, you go take ivermectin and you just take as much as you want. You'd ha- you do have to do it under a doctor's care. But people should have that option. For states to say, no, you can't take this, you can't have access to a drug that is absolutely effective against COVID, is, to me, is uh, go, uh, government overreach. So the uh, newly liberated Twitterverse under Elon Musk has got the FDA and, uh, FDA and, the, and the left just absolutely apoplectic. So there was another post by the FDA, a follow-up post last week that said also a a reminder that a study showed it didn't actually work against COVID. Wrong. It does work against COVID. Dr. Pierre Corey, who has testified to the Senate of the effectiveness of ivermectin against COVID-19, fired right back. 
You are not a horse. You are not a cow. You are Big Pharma's ass, is what he tweeted. Excuse the language. You know, the FDA called, uh, he said that the messaging by the FDA is BS. They cite one corrupt study. They ignored 82 trials, including 33 randomized controlled trials with 129,000 patients from 27 countries that show massive benefits of ivermectin in treating COVID-19. The FDA is lying to us. So I would, I would trust the likes of Dr. Corey and uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, who's a cardiologist, and some of the other people out there. They know what they're talking about. They are truly men of science, and they're following the science, the medical science on this. Anyway, we're out of time, folks. Thank you very much for tuning us in. My voice held out, thankfully. And uh, again, let me run down the list of shows. I know a couple of shows are coming back. The Ken and Mike show will be coming back soon, I'm told. Ken Burns has, has his show on Mondays. Uh, Adrian Ross has taken a little hiatus. She may have a couple of uh, best of programs in there for Tuesday. This program, the Pac-Man show, airs on Wednesdays. Uh, my daughter's program, is The Essentials with Maddie Flint, airs on Fridays. Check out the website, the BMG Network. And uh, we have some columns up there for you as well. The Pack Perspective, a column I do at least once a week. You can check that out too. So we have a, a you know a stable of fine broadcasters and podcasters, and uh, there's a lot for you to, to listen to and to read up there on the BMG Network. Tell your friends about it. Hit like, hit subscribe, and please share the program, share the broadca- broadcast, and leave a leave a comment in the comment section. Let me know how we're doing. If you want to contact me directly, it's Pacman P A C M A N at the BMG all lowercase. Thanks for tuning us in, folks. And if the good Lord wills it, we will talk to you real soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.